Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Reasons to be optimistic about the Indianapolis Colts, they keep mounting day after day after day. I know they're 1-4. I know they just took one of the worst losses in the history of Monday Night Football, at least since the one Peyton Manning hung on Tampa Bay almost 20 years ago. But there are reasons for optimism. Like I said, I'm Ken Sterling. This is Inside Indiana Sports Now for Thursday, October 14th, 2021. We're brought to you by the great people at today's dentistry. You say... Hello, Dr. Mike. I'd like my teeth to shine like Cher's teeth. Well, maybe not like Cher's teeth, but maybe you'd like to have teeth like, let's say, Steve Lawrence. How about Bobby Vinton? He had a nice set of teeth. All you have to do is call 317-849. Jerry Vale's teeth were awesome. How about Tom Dreesen's teeth? Nice set of teeth. Tony Orlando, nice teeth. Very hairy ears, but nice teeth. Like I said, 317-849-2933. Brandon, how are you? All right. Quiddy Pay spoke to the media today. He's going to be back this week, he says. T.Y. Hilton spoke to the media this week, and he said he's back at practice, but he's got to be cleared by the doctor. He has to pass some tests in order to play on Sunday. So it's not great news, but it's not terrible news. There's a window of hope for T.Y. Hilton, and it's a great week for it because he has torched the Houston Texans over the years. How about this? 97 catches over his nine years, 18 games against the Texans in the regular season. 97 catches, 1,728 yards. That's all T.Y. Hilton's done. That accounts for 18.5% of T.Y. Hilton's career yardage. That's 6% greater than the 12.5% that uh, it relates to the number of games that T.Y. Hilton, or the percentage of games in his career, T.Y. Hilton has played against the Houston Texans. One in every eight games in his career has been against the Texans. He's gone for 223, 115, 199, 110, uh, 121, 111. Eight of his career, 3,300-yard rushing or uh, receiving days have come against the Texans. So it would be great to have T.Y. Hilton back. Anything that gives us a, a mindset of hope is a good thing, right? And what should give all Colts fans hope this weekend is that they play the Texans, and the Texans stink on ice. They're absolutely terrible. There is nothing that they do well. They don't throw the ball well. They don't run the ball well. They don't defend the run well at all, and they don't defend the pass terribly well. Literally nothing that they do well. I hate the word literally, but in this case, I'll use it. They are literally terrible. The Colts, a double-digit favorite, and they're one and four. That tells you how terrible the Texans are. Colts have got to win this game. If you don't win this game, we're having a whole different conversation next week, right? And that conversation will begin immediately following the game at Lucas Oil Stadium, and it ain't going to be pretty. So the Colts also, they've signed Michael Badgley, kicker formerly of the Titans and the Chargers. They've signed him to the practice squad, 
So if they find out that uh, Roberto Blankenship can't go this Sunday, they'll uh, make him inactive and they'll activate from the practice squad. They'll call up Michael Badgley. So there you go. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton is all Texans fans' nightmares. He is absent. You can book him having great games against the Texans. Almost an average of 100 yards a game. That is how enormous uh, T.Y. Hilton has been against the Texans. All right, like I said, Badgley signed. Plus, how about this? This is interesting. At 538.com, they keep track of the playoff odds for all teams in the NFL. The Colts, as it stands right now, have a 40% chance of making the playoffs. A 40% chance. That tells you how bad the Jaguars and the Texans and the Jets and the Patriots and all the teams that the Colts should beat and, and, and remain on the roster. Right? The next five, Colts should really win. They should beat the San Francisco 49ers at home. They should beat the Tennessee Titans And they should definitely beat Houston. They should beat the Jets. They should beat the Jaguars. If you win these five games, all of a sudden, you're six and four. You got tough games coming up. But from six and four, you can kind of see your way clear to at least being 10 and seven. You know, but we're we're writing checks. Like, you know, in college, before I got paid, uh, I'd write a check to cover my Sears credit card. You know what I mean? So... (laughs) <laughs> cancel all hearings so you can catch the live well sure I, I don't want to get in the way of jurisprudence for God's sake of course I'll do that um, but the Colts they got a shot it's 4-10 four, four sure uh, they have a 28% chance to win the division which is better than 1-4 there are 4 teams in the division you understand that the Texans and the Jaguars have virtually no chance at all of winning the division. And then they've got a 0.7% chance of winning the Super Bowl. I don't know whether that's going to happen. But if you start to get guys healthy and nobody else gets hurt, you got a chance, right? If Quentin comes back and Braden comes back and Quiddy and Dio and, and you start to get guys like Xavier Rhodes back, uh, maybe Rocky Yassine, maybe he'll practice today. You've got a chance, Hilton, a chance to really build some momentum because there are parts of the puzzle that are there where you could win games and meaningful games if you're the Colts. Now, is one of those parts Matt Eberflus and his defense? I don't think so. I've never liked that scheme. It didn't take Monday night to kind of show the flaws in that scheme. I hate it. I I hate Ben Don't Break football. I loathed when, and this goes back to the 80s, All right, the Chicago Bears had a historically great defense, the best defense in the history of the NFL, the 85 Bears. Buddy Ryan leaves, takes the head coaching job with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Colts, they install Vince Tobin as the defensive coordinator. So you go from this guy, this fire and brimstone guy, who's sending everybody in that 46 defense to go harass quarterbacks, you you move from Buddy to Tobin, and Tobin was kind of a bend-don't-break guy. You know, we're we're just trying to keep people from scoring. We're not trying to assert dominance over the opposition like the Bears did under uh, Buddy Ryan. So I hated Vince Tobin. And then Vince Tobin came here, 
I didn't like Vince Tobin when he was the defensive coordinator here. I didn't like him when he was a head coach with the Arizona Cardinals, and I couldn't give a damn less about the Arizona Cardinals. I don't like Ben Don't Break. I like pin your ears back and punch somebody in the mouth. Go play that kind of defense. You've got my attention. And the Colts are not going to do that under Matt Eberflus. And it drives me crazy. So the question becomes this, and I wrote about it today on KentSterling.com. Because I get these comments constantly on YouTube, this YouTube channel, about what you do with the Carson Wentz deal, right? Because the Philadelphia Eagles, if Carson Wentz takes 75% of available snaps, available offensive snaps this year, the second round pick that the Colts packaged with last year's third round pick sent to the Eagles for Carson Wentz, that becomes a first-round pick. And if the Colts continue to lose, that could be a top-10 pick. Now, they might start winning in bunches, and it could be the 22nd overall pick. And in that case, you don't really mind that much. But if it's a top-10 pick, that's a hell of a lot to give up. So the question becomes, if the Colts, let's say after 12 games, they're 4-8, and eight, and you're Chris Ballard, do you take the air out of the tires purposefully? right, and sit Carson Wentz down and have Brett Hundley or Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger or whomever play quarterback for you in order to screw the Eagles. Because let's face Howie Roseman make, made the deal. Here's the answer to that question. You continue to play Wentz as long as he's healthy enough to play. And you do that through week 17. And that's the way you behave. Because that... The ends do not justify the means, no matter what people tell you. Doing the right thing is the reward for doing the right thing. Well, not only, and and those are the pragmatic reasons, Charles, right? You could ruin a medley, you could ruin that locker room. You're asking guys in that locker room to go out on the field and compete and get their brains kicked in and and put their bodies at risk. And, And you're kind of folding your hand, but you're still going through the facade of playing. You can't do that to those guys in the locker room or you are going to lose that locker room. Those are the pragmatic reasons. Jim Ursay being really, really upset, he wants to win every game. He wants to win 1 through 17. Not just say, okay, you know, we'll take our shots 1 through 12 and then the last five, whatever, you know, if they go 4 and 8. So there are pragmatic reasons uh, to play Carson Wentz. But I, I think the biggest reason is it's just not the right thing. And I think it's just that easy. It's not the right thing. You can't do that to another team. You engaged in a good faith trade of assets. Carson Wentz came here. A third rounder in 21 went there, along with a conditional pick that was going to be determined by a number of snaps taken, which protected the Colts in case Carson Wentz, who gets injured a lot and may yet get injured this season, it seems likely he's already had foot surgery and two sprained ankles, and a COVID quarantine, for God's sake, because of contact tracing, what are the odds that he's going to be able to play in all 17 games? Not so good if you're Chris Ballard on the front end of making that deal, right? So you negotiate into the deal a conditional aspect, and and that was made in good faith by both Roseman and Ballard. And you can't go back on that. You, you can't d- kill the trust of everybody in the National Football League 
against you. All GMs and all subsequent GMs are going to understand that you're not good to your word if you're Chris Ballard. That's another pragmatic reason. But I don't think it gets that deep. The honest answer is it's just not the right thing. It's not what people ought to do for each other and to each other. So don't screw the Eagles. As much as you would like to, as much as you covet that first-round pick, and you know what the value of that first-round pick is, you don't do that to a guy. Not even a guy like Howie Roseman, all right? And not a guy like Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles. And if there was ever a guy you wanted to screw over, it would be Jeffrey Lurie, right? It's just not the right thing. You know, Wilford Brimley, in absence of malice, remember Wilford Brimley had kind of that mustache. He was in Cocoon. He was in The Natural. He was in that dopey Our House show or whatever it was uh, on Sunday nights. So anyway, he played the Postmaster General on Seinfeld. That guy, in absence of malice, was absolutely phenomenal. As somebody who kind of ran this, uh, it wasn't a hearing, it was some sort of a, uh, I can't remember what they called it, but it was a meeting among the combatants in this story, right, in absence of malice. And, and so Wilford, at one point, talks about the different sides of this uh, kind of uh, fracas that's going on in South Florida. And then he says, and by God, or more than that, by God, it ain't right. And that's exactly what it is with Chris Ballard, the Colts, and what they need to do on their end of this Carson Wentz deal. You don't sit Carson Wentz because it represents bad faith and it's not the right thing. And what we need more than anything, I think, right now all right, you need to represent, and this is not represented. It's not represented in business. It's not represented in government. People in government, people in business are out for themselves. People in the government just want to get reelected. People in business just want to make money. And that's it. Doing the right thing. I've said this in meetings. We got to do the right thing. And people looked at me like I was clinically insane. At some point, we've got to teach future generations that it's okay to do the right thing and to behave, to your point, ethically. Be ethical in our demeanor and in our actions, not just in our words. Represent the best behavior that you can. Be fair-minded. Don't be greedy. Don't always be covetous. Look, it's not bad to make a buck. But to covet a buck at the expense of all else is just flat wrong. And to covet wins in the National Football League at the expense of doing what's right by God is just wrong. And Chris Ballard won't do it. Chris Ballard, he may, you can quibble with how he's built the roster from the inside out. You can quibble with the way he's kind of a culture first guy. And it's not the most talented, but it's a cultural fit that he's trying to establish in that locker room. You can quibble with all of that and whether that leads to a successful team. But what you can't quibble with is that Chris Ballard has been a straight-up honest and decent guy throughout his tenure with the Indianapolis Colts. He was that way in Kansas City. He was that way in Chicago. People respect him everywhere. Agents do. uh, Opposing GMs do. Players do. Coaches do. He generates a lot of respect because he's generated a lot of trust. Does that win you a Lombardi? No, it doesn't. 
But what it does do is it sets an example for people a little bit. And God, we are so diminished in our ability these days to find examples of people doing so, do, people doing the right thing just because it's the right thing. When do you see this? When do you see it in in life? When who in your life? And this is a great question. If you got kids, who do you point to and say that's just a good person? I can't think of one. And I look. I try to figure that crap out. I try to look at people and say, you know what? That person does the right thing. And I'll give you one, and you're going to hate it. But I know him. I worked with him for three years. And this is going to get nothing but laughs. But Mike Pence is just a good person. He may have some twisted beliefs that you don't agree with. But his beliefs are his beliefs. And, and he's never run from them or contorted them to fit, you know, a, a, a paradigm. He's never done that, at, at least not to my knowledge. So you, you people are, are going to think I'm nuts. But I met with that man every day for three years at MS Communications. And, and whether I agree with his beliefs, and I don't in some cases, but I respect the man. And, and that's got to stand for something. And, and I respect Chris Ballard, and I'll, res- I'll, I'll respect him more a- as we move on this season if Carson Wentz stays healthy and he keeps playing. I don't believe that he's going to do what, what people will encourage him to do, and that's pull the plug on Carson Wentz and sit his ass in order to recoup a first-round da- draft pick that otherwise would have gone to Philadelphia. I just don't think he'll do that. Tomorrow morning... Breakfast with Kent. I can't wait to talk to you on a beautiful Friday. Remember to hit subscribe, like, ring the bell, all that stuff. And another thing about Mike Pence, okay? You don't have to agree with somebody to respect somebody. You don't. You don't have to agree with everything somebody says or, yeah, you're dead to me. I disagree completely with you. You know what I mean? We can be good people. You can be a good person. We disagree with each other, maybe even at a principal level. But that doesn't mean that we can't have a conversation and that we can't have respect for each other, does it?